is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 2, Beyond the Studio West Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll share honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. Support for this season comes from Southern Exposure's Alternative Exposure Grant Program in partnership with Facebook's Artist in Residence Program and the Andy Warhol Foundation. If you find value in listening to Beyond the Studio, we'd love to ask you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's the easiest way to show us some love and to help others find the podcast. Thank you so much in advance for letting us know what you think and for supporting the show. You might hear some adult language used occasionally on the show, so please be mindful of those around you and pop in some headphones if needed. When I'm not working on the podcast, I'm working on my fiber art and illustration brand, Close Call Studio. So if you want to follow along with my own journey, you can check me out on Instagram at Close Call Studio or check out my website at CloseCallStudio.com. It's Nicole here, your other Beyond the Studio co-host. I'm a painter, muralist, and installation artist. If you want to see more of my work and studio process, you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Marie Muller or my website, which is Nicole Marie Muller. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R dot com. On today's episode, Nicole and I are talking about career transitions. So those times when you are shifting out of a day job into working for yourself full time, when you are shifting out of freelance and back into a salaried position, and all the crazy options you have in between. So Nicole and I both have very different experiences with this. I, for a little bit of context, started out working in cafes full-time, was able to transition into part-time restaurant work and retail work. And then from there, I was able to eventually leave my day job and go full-time into working for myself. And if you're going to do something like this, it involves a lot of planning. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Yes. And my path, on the other hand, has been a little more winding. I started out working mostly for myself after briefly working a part-time mural assistant job after graduating. So was working uh, full-time on mural painting, running a business with another painting grad and other freelance jobs, um, moved into working a full-time job in college admissions when I was living in Baltimore, moved back into working for myself uh, alongside other part-time jobs and creative freelance gigs when moving out to San Francisco and most recently uh, started working a full-time day job in an office setting at an art college here in San Francisco again. So we'll talk a little bit about that later on and um, what all of those transitions have looked like for each of us. But I feel like for a lot of artists, the goal uh, or one of the goals is to be able to spend as much time as possible on uh, their craft or working in the studio and to be able to potentially make that leap into working full time. So Amanda, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey with that and some of the things that you did leading up to um, finally making that leap? Just to clarify, 
if there's anything that Nicole and I have learned from doing this podcast, there is no one size fits all formula for doing this. Everyone's careers are going to look different. Everyone's lifestyles are going to look different. And you really have to find what is going to work best for you. So it's really important when going into this to kind of just stay in your own lane and think about what is the right fit for me. And that was a really huge part of when I was transitioning into trying to go full time because it's very easy to compare your career path to those around you and feel really frustrated when you see others progressing at a different pace than you. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to take their own amount of time to do whatever it is that they're going to do. So don't worry about what everyone else around you is doing because at the end of the day, this is your life and this is your career and you should have some autonomy over that and choose what you feel is the right fit for yourself. Yes, and just that there are different seasons to your life. I think I'm a big believer in that and um, something that we've also realized in talking with other artists is that you know your situation today is not going to be your situation five years from now and the nature of an artistic or creative career path is really adapting to the ebbs and flows of your life as a whole and so I think just kind of accepting and embracing the fact that your creative career is going to go through different seasons and look different at different points in time is another thing that you know I've tried to remind myself of and that we really found to be true in our own lives so wherever you are today is not necessarily going to be where you are five or 10 years from now, um, even if you're still working for yourself or still working a day job, um, you know, there's so many other external factors that are going to change throughout your life. So I think just learning to really embrace that process and that really fluid nature of what it is to be an artist. So just wanted to add that in there because I feel like the idea of seasons has really kind of defined my own creative career and something that I think about a lot too when learning from other artists. Yeah, and I think it's so easy when you have those career shifts, especially if you sh- are, you know have some back and forth time because I've had seasons where I've been able to be self-employed in the past. And then I would have to go find another job during the off season. And every time I had to go back and find another job, I was like, I was confronted with this feeling of failure where it's like, oh, I couldn't make it last. But making the right choice for your future and for your financial stability is never a failure. You're looking out for yourself. And that was something that I had to really adjust within my own expectations and I know so many friends that have had to go back and forth as well. And that's okay. You just, you got to do the right thing for you. And if you're worried about money and you want something consistent, maybe picking up a job is a good move for that. Or maybe if you're like, I hate my job so much, I really need to work for myself for my sanity. If you can find a way to make it happen, make it happen. All right. So five easy steps to quitting your day job. (laughs) Let's hear them. (laughs) So I did write down some steps that I think are really important when you are considering leaving a stable day job that you have, whether you're in a salaried position or you just have something full time. There are some things that you really want to think about before pivoting into full financial independence and making up your own money as you go. And I think it's really important to 
like what we talked about last week with goal setting, having a really firm idea of what you want for your future and what your 5, 10, 15, 20 year plan is. Also going as far down as like, what am I accomplishing this week to move towards my goal this month, the next three months, six months, year, whatever. And I started thinking about self-employment seriously back in 2012, and it took a good five years for me to actually take the leap to going full-time. And when I did take that leap, it wasn't exactly planned. It just sort of happened because the job that I was at was no longer available. The restaurant I had been picking up hours at to keep my income consistent was closing and I didn't have a job. And I thought, okay, well, I know that happened in September. And usually over the past couple of years, I had been able to take off October through like January. So I knew I could at least handle myself for the next, you know, six months or so. But after that, I I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. But I had had enough years of experience going back and forth to figure out, okay, these are the seasons when my income is slow. These are the seasons where my income is really abundant. And here is how I can plan accordingly. And part of that planning is coming up with a budget and figuring out, okay, what are my expenses? What do I need to make in order to stay financially stable? How can I cover all of my bills and my overhead and still contribute to my savings or pay off my credit card? You know, whatever. Having a very clear idea of your number is super important when you're going to be making that transition. Work on building your savings. Generally, it's safe to say that having six months worth of savings is pretty smart, especially if you're going to be taking the leap into working for yourself. You don't know if you're going to be able to make your full income that first month right away. So having a little bit of a cushion is really wise when you're making that transition and have a plan in place regarding any debt you have, thinking about how you're going to cover things that may have previously been provided by a job, whether that's insurance, a 401k, like contributing to your retirement any benefits that they have for you, it's really good to consider, okay, what does it mean if I'm covering all of these, if I'm trying to match my current lifestyle by paying for it all myself, making the income self-employed. Also taking into consideration that as a self-employed person, you're going to be paying twice as many taxes because your employer is no longer (laughs) matching your, your tax. Yeah, that's a huge one. I feel like in all the times I've been self-employed, that's one of the biggest expenses annually. And that's a great point that you make too, because it's not just about being able to match your current salary, assuming you want to maintain everything about your current lifestyle and all of your bills are remaining consistent, but you actually have to be making more as a self-employed person than potentially you were making at a full-time day job because you have these additional expenses that your employer was helping to cover in the past, like benefits and like the added tax coverage and all these things. So I feel like that's something that is good to keep in mind. (laughs) It's not just about matching the amount that shows up on your paycheck. 
it's everything that your job gives you, what that represents, being super clear about what you need to make in order to be okay, and not even just breaking even, but contributing to your future in the way that you need to, paying off debts, and making sure that you have a clear idea of what you want to be making professionally for yourself. It's really important to be patient with yourself and to really let yourself take the time that you need. We talked about that a little bit before, and I am reaffirming that that is important (laughs) to just be patient with yourself. Don't compare your path to anyone else's and be really flexible because, or you can have seasons that you may need to go back to a day job or seasons where you may realize that this you know, path that you've committed to isn't the right fit. It's super important to be flexible with whatever is going on with your career transition because sometimes, I don't know, when you go full time, you might have to simultaneously replace your oil pan in your car for a couple grand while also paying off a hospital bill for your accidentally damaged finger like me. (laughs) For example, yeah, yeah, unexpected things come up that might not have been a part of your plan. So how do you account for that? And I don't know if this is what you're going to say, but maybe needing to pick up um, extra work or take on an additional project Mm -hmm. that's not at all creative is uh, totally fine if that's what you have to do in order to manage that situation. Yeah, that so for a little background, last year, I had to do a lot of repairs on my car, which were very expensive. It had all kinds of problems. And then I also accidentally put a power drill through my finger and had to pay some crazy emergency room bills. And that was not part of my budget at all. I did not plan for that. But because I had been so aggressive in my savings beforehand, I was able to get my car fixed, which is necessary because it happened right as craft show season was about to start. And I can't get to the craft shows without that. And I can't make money without Mm -hmm. getting there. So it really can mess you up if you don't have savings, if you don't plan, if you don't have some wiggle room on your credit card. And like, I didn't expect that at all. I mean, hell, I I messed up my finger on midterm election day. (laughs) I thought I was just going to go vote. And Turns out I was going to spend five hours sitting in an ER hallway waiting for someone to look at my finger. Yeah, life happens and there are things that are just out of your control that are completely unpredictable and that's where I guess the importance of having an emergency fund does come into play and um, again, even more so when you're kind of totally responsible for yourself because you might not have a form of disability leave that you may have at a full-time job. So also being able Mm -hmm. to account for the unexpected when you're working for yourself is another part of that too. So yeah, be open to to change and be really clear about what you need in order to be comfortable making that leap. And sometimes at the end of the day, you might just need the push to take the leap. But if you don't feel comfortable doing it yet, don't push yourself. This is your life. Yeah, it's interesting how you'd been working up towards this for years before you actually made that transition. And when you actually did, it was a little bit accidental or at least Mm -hmm. kind of taking advantage of an opportunity that you had, recognizing that this 
unexpected like drop off in your job working at the restaurant meant that you know maybe you had an opportunity to try this out and see if you could continue going full-time do you feel like if that hadn't happened how would you have made that decision or did you still feel like you were totally ready at that point or was it really that an opportunity was presented and you felt like okay I need to give this a shot how do you think you would have known whether or not you were really ready had it not been for that kind of unexpected change? I don't know when I would have made the leap consciously. I, Like I said, in the past, I had been able to take off several months at a time working for myself. So I knew I could at least handle certain seasons for certain amounts of time. Yeah, you were doing these short-term stints of self-employment already. Yeah, before I had eventually gone full-time the whole year. I usually around January or February would hit this financial panic mode where the income immediately halted. And I would usually go out and apply to all of the bars, restaurants, cafes nearby and pick up a barista job or serving job and just try to get income as fast as possible. But when that time frame rolled around in my first full year of being self-employed, I still was okay. And part of that was because I had planned ahead while I was in the really abundant season, knowing that later it was going to be tough. So I saved really aggressively so that I had that cushion during the slower seasons. And now that's just part of my annual formula. I save super aggressively during the holiday seasons because that's when I'm making most of my money. So having an idea of what, at the very least, your first full fiscal year can look like as a self-employed person, is really important to getting clarity on exactly how much money you need to make, where it needs to be coming from, because then you have at least a benchmark that you need to try to meet every month, and you can figure out from there, like, okay, how many paintings do I need to sell to match this amount, or how many commissions do I need to pick up, how many freelance jobs do I need to do, and from there you can figure it out. Or you can figure out how to adjust your pricing to make up for stepping out of a day job and saying like, okay, this is where that, or I was getting this amount of money from my job. So how can I then shift that around into this other venture? Yeah. How are you managing those slower months in that first year? Were you really sustaining yourself off of the savings you had built up prior to going permanently full-time or now that you had this extra time where you decided not to pick up extra work outside of Close Call Studio, um, were you adding in other streams of income or like new products around that time? Like how are you kind of handling that at that point, like predictable drop-off in January, February, where you traditionally had like another job to return to. So what has that, what did that look like in the first year after deciding to keep going full-time with Close Call Studio? In the first year, it looked like trying out a lot of things I had never thought of before. So trying different sales platforms, trying different types of products. I went back into my numbers from the previous year to figure out what items were selling the most, where a majority of my income was coming from, whether it was from craft shows. Like that first year, I was really aggressive on craft shows. 
So I was doing craft shows almost every month and trying to just get out there as much as possible because then I had all Mm -hmm. of this extra time that wasn't being taken up by going into a day job. So I was able to really focus my time on just trying everything I didn't have the time to try before. So when I was splitting my time between a day job and working for myself, there were all these ideas that I was constantly having that I kind of had to put on the back burner of like, wait until later. So freeing up my time allowed me to really go through all of those ideas and plans and figure out which ones were going to work. But definitely having money in my savings helped. And I definitely tapped into it during those slower months. And that's part of why you have that so that you can Mm -hmm. have that cushion when the income is inconsistent. And it's still inconsistent. And I still tap into my savings sometimes, but I, I plan for it better. So if I'm doing that, it's intentionally set aside for that time frame. Mm-hmm. Just be really, 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 really strategic and be yeah. willing to try all of your ideas. And if you feel stuck, I always come back to thinking, like, what can I do about this right now? What can I do today to move myself towards my financial goals, whether it's working on my email list or coming up with new product designs or applying to new shows or looking for stores that I could have as stockists. And if you don't know that term, that's retailers that stock your inventory. So there's that. But yeah, yeah, lots of strategizing. It's interesting how key just having this constant growth mindset is towards your own personal business, which is something that may or may not be a part of your work at a day job, but usually you're tasked with doing a certain job in service of a larger organization, Um, but maybe you're not necessarily responsible for growing and maintaining that organization as a whole um, unless you're in a kind of higher level position where that is actually a part of your job. But I feel like one of the shifts is that you're no longer just um, working as part of a larger team to accomplish an organization's goals or mission, but instead you're defining what those are for yourself and you're having to continually think about how you're growing and moving your own business forward. So that's where I see you experimenting a lot, Amanda, with how to bring in new streams of income, how to introduce new products or new projects, um, how to just constantly be trying new things to figure out how you can grow Close Call Studio. Uh, So that's one kind of key, just a, a mindset difference. I feel like that informs the way that you go about your day to day and you approach your own personal business um, that might be different from having a kind of traditional day job. Yeah. So on the opposite end, Let's talk about your career transitions. Yes. Because you just had a pretty opposite swing of going from freelance and commissions and mural projects and painting sales and studio flash sales, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Really descriptive. uh, (laughs) Into working a full-time salaried position at CCA. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this might be a good time to share on the podcast that I did recently transition into a full-time job working at California College of the Arts here in San Francisco within their career development office. So very connected to... How apropos. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's related to uh, Beyond the Studio in some way. It's like almost what you're already doing. (laughs) Yes, getting paid to work on the podcast, that would be great. (laughs) Another business that we're looking to grow. (laughs) Absolutely. But um, it's been a pretty huge shift. I started working there in April or the very end of March, rather. So it's been just a couple of months at this point. And prior to that, um, like you said, Amanda had been working um, part time at SF MoMA here in San Francisco and working a lot of creative freelance jobs, um, spending a lot of time in the studio, commissioned work, projects, uh, applying for tons of things, whether mural or public projects. So it was really kind of ad hoc. And my career has taken a lot of different turns. This isn't the first time that I've worked uh, a full-time administrative job. I was also working at the Maryland Institute College of Art, or MICA, in Baltimore um, when I lived there. And had done that for about a year and a half. Um, But like I mentioned, most of my early years outside of graduating from art school were spent um, working part-time as a mural assistant and then taking over that mural painting business um, along with studio work, different creative freelance jobs. Um, And I've gone back and forth quite a lot, actually. I worked briefly for a commercial gallery in Maryland. I've done part-time teaching art to elementary school kids. Um, So there's been a lot of different jobs kind of in the mix that have all been really intentionally within a creative space. So that was my one criteria for any day jobs is that I wanted them to be somehow related to my artistic practice or even if they weren't um, directly connected to my, my painting practice to be working with other artists or developing skills in the arts or gaining perspective in other areas, whether that be academia or in galleries or museum settings. So for me, that was how I kind of kept my jobs um, connected to my work as an artist, whereas um, some people like you, Amanda, have made a conscious decision to separate those two so that your creative energies could be really focused on Close Call Studio. So I feel like there are also different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did not want to work a day job that was related to the arts because I was like, if I'm going to put my creative energy anywhere, it's going to me. But That was just what I chose for me. Yeah, so I think um, like that was one thing that I knew I wanted to do, but I actually didn't have as clear of a goal as you did of wanting to be fully sustained off of my artistic practice um, until a little bit later on. So, so I really didn't have as clear of an end goal in mind um, as Amanda did. And so a lot of my career moves happened, not accidentally per se, but um, I would say I was fairly flexible um, in the beginning as to what my life as an artist might look like. So I think, you know, that enabled me to take advantage of a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise envisioned for myself, like spending several months uh, painting murals at a dental office in Colorado one summer or... Oh my god, um, I forgot about that. (laughs) 
uh, again, you know, going back to work for the art college that um, we graduated from and uh, many other things in between that, but a lot of these that I, I didn't necessarily have as, you know, part of my five-year plan, but rather opportunities that came up that I chose to just kind of jump on and see where they led. Um, so I feel like that's been another defining element of my creative career thus far. And so I would say my leap from first time I was really working a sustained um, full-time day job, which was at MICA, was moving out to San Francisco and my shift into um, kind of returning to being primarily self-employed coincided with that move. But it was, again, not totally planned out in the sense of, you know, thinking that I was going to come out here and be solely supporting myself off of my painting practice. I thought I would kind of give it a shot. And, you know, I had been also building up savings more with the intent to move out to San Francisco while I was still working at MICA. So I had had several months uh, saved up from that. And that was really going towards the cross-country move and to giving myself a little flexibility to figure out the next steps once I got out here. But apart from that, I don't think, you know, it, it was a little bit experimental. Like I had had a somewhat steady stream of income coming through painting sales back in Baltimore leading up to that point and was really, I think, more aggressively trying to make contacts and connections, reach out to art consultants and kind of reestablish myself in a new city on first moving here. But there were, also a lot of things that I I wasn't really prepared for um, in the same way that Amanda had been kind of methodically working up to making this eventual transition when the opportunity came about. So I think that is one difference in some of my moves back and forth. And if I were to, to do it again, I would definitely be more strategic with giving myself a longer runway to be able to um, just financially support myself, but also like um, you'd said, to kind of give yourself the freedom to experiment a little bit and have, I think, a more consistent, steady flow of projects lined up before making that leap so that, you know, your your ebb and flow of the year is a little less of a, a roller coaster where you have, you know, months that are really lucrative where you're you're bringing in a lot of sales and then months that are you don't really have any projects on the horizon. And so that's one thing that I felt was really a part of my experience working um, full time that, you know, we've also talked about how this is really tied into our own um, personalities. And during our uh, episode on storytelling, we um, talked about self-awareness and really getting to know um, our own kind of personal needs and uh, comfort level when it comes to taking these kinds of risks. Um, so that's another thing to take into account. Um, I've discovered that I'm somebody who does uh, appreciate having a structure in place, having accountability to others, having a you know a small team of people that I'm kind of working together with, which is why the podcast is such a sort of fulfilling project. But when I'm working for myself, um, I think really taking extra measures to put those structures in place. It's been a little bit of my experience with going back and forth 
this last year. It's been a pretty big shift, I would say. I mean, despite, you know, desiring that structure, I feel like it's also been a little bit of a challenge to go back to a really kind of rigid nine to five schedule, whereas I was used to having a lot more flexibility um, just in the way that I manage my time. And even though the role I'm in now is uh, somewhat open-ended, so there are actually a lot of similarities, I feel like, in the way you're kind of crafting your own goals and projects as an artist um, is part of what I get to do in my day job currently. But just the the structure of, you know, going into an office every day and sitting at a computer is uh, very different kind of workflow than, you know, getting up and going to the studio or maybe dropping work off at a framer and then going into work at the museum for a few hours and then, you know, just having a lot more variety in the day to day. So there are a lot of key differences there, but, um, you know, some of it for me was recognizing that I maybe needed a, a different season in life, like we were describing, and part of it was financially motivated. Um, you know, there were a lot of roller coaster months, like I said, where I was really feeling in the red and didn't feel totally stable at any point um, when I was quote-unquote self-employed. So I thought I just needed to take a step back from that and kind of reevaluate, get myself on more stable ground. And um, if I were to at any point make that move again, I think what I would want to do is build up more consistent and more diverse streams of income um, to have more projects lined up further out on the horizon and to have an even bigger buffer of savings lined up too, both to just help with the personality management of knowing that is what I need to reduce the amount of anxiety that goes along with working for yourself and not always knowing what the next few months are going to look like. But also from a financial standpoint, I think being more prepared and more strategic about that move too. So I think, you know, there's been a lot of good things about making this move um, and thinking about what that means for your creative career in a, a broad sense. Part of what we, we've we talked about in the past too with other artists is just um, expanding the definition of studio time and um, our definition of what it means to be an artist. And so I think that, you know, all of these things are kind of intertwined for us, like working on the podcast, working on our own personal creative practice. Um, and now for me working at this new day job, those things are all kind of in support of one another, whether it's fueling your creative energy or whether one thing is financially supporting the other or or, you know, whatever role those things are playing in your life and like whatever they mean to you, I think that just trying to kind of give yourself the perspective of looking at those things as all all a part of building your life as an artist. So that's one thing I'm trying to really um, keep top of mind is that they're, they're all equally integral to my life as an artist rather than the, the notion of the day job being a kind of a, a separate or like lesser element to your artistic practice, even if that is really the end goal to be working for yourself full time. Yeah, and that is not the goal for everybody, for sure. So don't feel pressured to go that route if it doesn't feel right for you. I feel like just to reiterate what we've been sharing, having different seasons of life is just a really natural part of being an artist and your creative career will take a lot of 
twists and turns and go in a lot of different directions, um, at least has been both Amanda and I's experience and moving back and forth between uh, working day jobs and working for ourselves has been a part of our own individual pathways and that's all just part of it. <laughs> and if you're looking to make a transition into going full-time, there are things you can do uh, to prepare yourself. The financial piece being one really big part of it and all of the strategies that Amanda mentioned, just about building up your savings, giving yourself some runway, being flexible. And patient and planning with your budget and your goals. If you want to transition your career, it can absolutely be done. But just because you decide to change your career doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to plan ahead. And it's not that tough. You just have to be really careful and know what you want your life to look like at the end of that transition and go towards that. Yep, and being prepared for the unexpected, whether that is oh, yeah. unexpected <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, negative experiences or unexpected opportunities that come up. Um, if a big project comes your way, um, being able to kind of take advantage of that or if your, your day job evaporates overnight, using that as an opportunity to make the leap that you've been preparing for for many years. So um, just being fluid and flexible uh, while also uh, just doing the work to prepare yourself for the next steps, I think are both really important parts of making any kind of career change. Yeah. And I mean, trust yourself at the end of the day. You're an artist. You are a very creative thinker. You know how to work hard. You know how to motivate yourself to pursue projects. And you can take the knowledge that you have gained from your artistic practice and apply it to your life and your art business and you may surprise yourself at how prepared you are to actually handle it because y'all are badass so go on with your bad selves <laughs> <laughs> yes thanks so much for joining us for this episode uh, where we got to tell you a little bit about our own experience with making career transitions and we would love to hear about some of yours too if you've made a big leap into working for yourself or you've been going back and forth or you've recently taken on uh, something new in your own life let us know what that career change has looked like for you um, if there's anything that you did to help prepare yourself for that transition uh, we'd love to hear from you what that looks like. Uh, so please let us know over on Instagram at Beyond the Studio or on Facebook at Beyond the Studio as well. And just a quick reminder that right now, Nicole and I are in the process of looking for artists for season three, Beyond the Studio East Coast edition. So if you are following us on social media, you will see a little link in our bio that links to a survey where you can submit an artist that you want to hear their story, or if you want to submit yourself, that's totally cool too. So go submit. You have until the end of June 2019 to submit your artist for season three. And don't forget to sign up for our email list because you'll get that link in there too that's it for this episode of the beyond the studio podcast you can find show notes references and a brief summary of the episode over at our website beyond the dot studio while you're there be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests special announcements and podcast giveaways bloopers right everybody can use them <laughs> bloopers bloopers i mean True.
We've never not had bloopers. <laughs> oh, I know. I put it in every time. Even if it's like nothing, I just think it's funny at the end. Oh, no, I like Keeps it. Keeps us humble. Yeah. <laughs> and you have until the end of May. Nope. May is done. We're in June now. 